Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Last question, then we'll move on. The idea that you've conceded, you know, maybe I don't end up with the same team. When you're late at night in the summer and you're sitting out on your back deck or you're lying in bed and it's just been a long night and you're you alone with your thoughts and you're picturing yourself with another team, how do you look in a Bears uniform? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a tough thought right there, man. To me, it's, it is a beautiful mystery. Um... That was Aaron Rodgers from earlier this season chatting it up with Kyle Brandt on his podcast. And a great question by Kyle. And at the time, it, it was a laughable question. And then you heard Aaron Rodgers following that loss in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game to Tampa, a, a loss he called gutting, where you started to wonder his future in Green Bay. Is it really up in the air for next season? Then he goes on the Pat McAfee show today and says he thinks he'll be a Packer, but, you know, nothing is ever guaranteed. So I just want some answers. And let's try and figure out what's happening in Green Bay because it directly impacts what's going to happen with the Bears in 2021. Hi, everyone. Zach Saveman here until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We want you to be a big part of the show as well at 312-644-6767. The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. But first, let's get some answers on what's happening in Green Bay. And joining us now is Peter Bukowski, who joins us on the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline. Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. And Peter is the host of the popular Locked on Packers and Locked on Sports Today, which is all sports every day, the biggest stories in under 20 minutes. Locked on Packers and Locked on Today podcasts. So, Peter, can you help break down why Aaron Rodgers is suddenly talking the way he's talking over the last few days? <laughs> well, the thing about it is it, it's not really all of a sudden. And that was something that he said on the Pat McAfee show that you referenced when he uh, met with reporters after the draft last April, and I guess he didn't he didn't speak directly with them right away. It was it was after that, but after the, the first time he spoke with local media after the Packers pick, he talked about understanding that you know this was um, a, a different position than he had been in prior to the Jordan Love pick. There was the the famous four fingers of tequila line. 
that that he had you know he had understood that this was the moment when Green Bay decided that he would not be in control of whether or not he was going to finish his career as a Green Bay Packer, which he has said repeatedly he would like to do if possible. What he is seemingly saying is that that is still true, and and he doesn't feel like after the MVP season that he's had that anything has really changed. In fact, he was asked, and it it didn't make headlines because it wasn't after the NFC Championship game, but a few weeks ago he was asked, Uh, by a local reporter, do you feel like your MVP season or MVP caliber season has changed your standing within the organization? And Rodgers said pretty plainly, no. So he understands that that nothing is final, nothing is absolute, as those are the words that he used. And he is, you know, a, a very philosophical guy. I think he thinks about these things a lot. He thinks about his legacy a lot. And it, it genuinely bums him out, I think, that that he is not going to control his fate with the Packers. So, Peter, help me kind of put into perspective what we were hearing from Rodgers all season long. I mean, it, it felt as though he was saying all the right things and that everyone was on the same page and they had reached this zen where they were able to put aside all the the hard feelings that clearly were there after the draft and and put together what was a fantastic season up until, I would say, the tail end of the first half in in the NFC Championship game, and then things kind of spiraled out of control there. Yeah, I would love to get Rodgers on a a lie detector and find out if he thinks (laughs) this team was good enough to win a Super Bowl. And because this is this is really the the dissonance. And and look, we're all human. We all fall prey to this idea. If he thought and it sounds like from everything we've heard coming out of Green Bay, from every player, every coach who who we've heard from, they thought they were going to beat the Bucks. They thought they were going to the Super Bowl. Okay, if they thought they were a Super Bowl team, then after the fact, although it would be human to feel this way, you really logically should say, okay, well then we just didn't play well enough to win. Not, okay, there were all these faults in the process that got the team there. It is easier now to say, oh, the the Packers should have taken a receiver as we said after the draft. Well, they they were the number one offense in football, the number one scoring offense in football, one of the best scoring offenses on a per drive basis in the last generation in the NFL. So, okay, maybe that's not quite true. Maybe they didn't need a receiver the way that we thought they did. Now, Rodgers wanted it. Maybe this is, and look, I'm, I'm just sort of playing some devil's advocate here, not reporting anything, just saying, you know, maybe there is part of this that is like what Deshaun Watson is going through in Houston, where he's saying, I, you know, I just wish I was more a part of the process, or they told me I was going to be a part of the process, and then they weren't. It is possible, certainly at this point in his career, Rodgers said in his meetings at the end of the year, hey, it'd be really great if we did X, Y in the draft. The Packers did not do that thing. And he's not super pleased about that. I think that would be natural for him to be feeling that way. Again, I don't know that. I'm just saying that those things are, those are conversations that, that he has. He's made it clear publicly um, that, that he thought they were going to take a receiver. He wanted them to take a receiver, and they didn't. Um, but I don't think it's also proof that there was some fatal flaw in this team over the course of the season. I think it could be the case that they were then 
during the season. They thought they were going to win, and then they didn't. And when they didn't, that is the inflection point. That is the point where you say, okay, we maybe were kidding ourselves about being good enough to win because we didn't. Um, and, and athletes, you know, they have to sort of process it that way, right? Like, well, we lost. We thought we were going to win, but we lost, so we clearly weren't good enough. Maybe that's not the case, but that could certainly be how he and, and frankly, a lot of players, coaches, fans, and media are feeling right now. Talking about what's happening in Green Bay with Peter Bukowski, who hosts the Locked On Packers and Locked On Today podcast. Mm -hmm. Peter, when you look at it, just your perspective, what's missing? What's missing from the Packers being able to take that final step and win the NFC Championship game, which they've lost two years in a row now? Well, this is a very different loss than what happened last year, and and I think we have to remember that because last year they were outmatched. San Francisco was very clearly the better team. They destroyed the Packers twice um, in in two different ways offensively, um, but, but both times with their defense. This was a different game because... Green Bay, you know, they, they have this sort of weird game in week six against the Bucks, and you're saying, okay, it's not going to happen again. I don't think this game played out incredibly differently from that first game, but the Packers were able to battle back in a way that they weren't in that first game. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like they are somehow way behind this Buccaneers team in a way that I thought they were way behind the 49ers at the end of last year. And, and by the way, uh, Vegas agrees. Um, I, I saw the, the most recent odds for the Super Bowl next year have the Packers behind only the Chiefs um, and ahead of the Buccaneers. So uh, clearly um, Vegas, who thought Green Bay was the better team, still thinks Green Bay was the better team. Now that doesn't mean they don't have holes. I think they, they're going to need to replace Kevin King, who is almost certainly not going to be back. He's a free agent this offseason. Um, they are going to have some decisions to make at running back. I don't expect Aaron Jones to be back. I think he's going to price himself out of Green Bay. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's possible for Jamal Williams to be back. But Matt LaFleur wants three running backs, okay? They're probably going to go out into the draft and, and take someone. If they take a pass catching back, I think that would be a smart move for them. Um, and, and then after that, it's about depth. You know, they could use a receiver who has run-after-catch ability. They don't currently have that. Um, They sort of use their running backs as a replacement for that. And I think they could use a third safety, someone that allows Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, um, you know, the latter of whom is a, is a player that I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with um, to, to roam a little bit more and and be a little bit more versatile. Amos has been, um, I don't want to say revelation because he was really good with the bears, but he's been, been terrific for the Packers defense um, for the Packers locker room. And I think he's answered a lot of the questions about his ability as a playmaker that dogged him when he left Chicago, had the interception in the NFC Championship game. I think this team is really close. Um, it's more just about playing a more complete game. And I've been saying this since, since Sunday. Um, this is a team that is good enough to win. They didn't play well enough to win on Sunday. And, and, and I think that's the hardest position for a front office to be moving forward because there isn't a, a sort of obvious path to improvement. Do relationships need to be repaired between the players in that locker room and the coaching staff based on some of the head-scratching decisions that were made defensively near the end of the first half and then obviously what transpired on the Packers' final offensive series? 
Well, I, I think I think Matt Lafleur would tell you that they do, and and I think that's because Matt Lafleur is always the guy who takes the blame. It's 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 always his fault. It's always something the coaches can do a better job of, and and he is the kind of guy where that's not lip service. And if you listen to the players talk about him and and the sort of communicator that he is and the leader that he is and has been from day one, um, I think he is going to try and find a way to, whether it is, you know, um, in the headset or, you know, whatever it is, more communication during the week, there are, you know, they're going to have to figure that part of it out, especially quarterback to head coach. Um, They've done a really good job of building a relationship over the last two years. I, I think the reports, that are out there of, you know, there, Oh, there's this strained relationship. You'll notice those come from opposing coaches, never inside the building. I wonder why that is. Um, and so I, I think, you know, everything that you hear from, from the players in the building, and I've had players go out of their way unsolicited to tell me how great things are with Matt and, and Aaron. Um, so that's not something that I think, you know, is, is that big a concern at this point, just because of what we saw last year, that offense was incredible. Defensively, they have a problem. And the, the defensive players, after the Packers blew out the Bears the first time, they were so frustrated with how they played in a blowout win that they went to Mike Patton and said, we have to change this. And I think that uh, we haven't heard anything from LaFleur on the future of his staff. There were questions about Mike Patton's future after last year's NFC Championship game. Those questions are louder now, and I don't, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised if Matt Lafleur decides to make a change there. Sean Menenga, same thing with special teams coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if they made a change there. Um, that, that is, that is, I think, where the where the the flaws on this team are. Not the personnel necessarily, um, but some of the approach. And, and coaching that this team has. All right, our final few moments here with Peter Bukowski as we're talking Packers here on The Score. So we know what Aaron Rodgers today said about how there are no absolutes in this business. We know what Packers president Mark Murphy said today, saying that Rodgers is the unquestioned leader, that the Packers aren't idiots, and there's no way in heck that Aaron is not going to be on the Packers. So we should expect Aaron Rodgers to be in Green Bay next season, right? Yes. Um, and, I, you know, it's like one of those 99.1% things. You never say never because it's pro sports and you just you, you can't say never because, you know, what if what if the Jets are like or, or the, let's say the Jags call and say, hey, we'll give you the number one pick and two more future firsts plus whatever DJ Chark like that probably doesn't get it done. But, you know, it makes you think, right? Trevor Lawrence and and some future number ones, and you have no idea if they're going to be good enough to, you know, compete after that. There is always a chance, and that's why I think Rodgers was just really being honest, more honest than we're used to to star players being when he said, "Look, I don't know what my future is, um, but you know, whatever odds you want to put on it, like the Vegas odds right now, I saw it today were like, you know." five to one that Rogers is going to be the quarterback. So like bet 500 to win a hundred. If you want to, if you want to, you know, waste your money going against that, feel free. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers is going to be barring injury is going to be the week one starter for the Packers in 2021. Good stuff, Peter. Thank you so much for uh, helping share some insight on what's happening up with the Packers. Anytime. Peter Bukowski, who hosts the locked on Packers and locked on today podcasts. 
Great stuff. Uh, real interesting to get the insight up north. What about what's happening in Detroit? Because we know the Lions are making major changes. What do all those changes mean for the Bears? We'll find out next. Zach Zaidman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. So this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right? That's going to be the mentality. Uh-oh! <laughs> Dave Dimple, the new head coach of the Lions, isn't messing around. He's basically put a target on the back of his new team because you know every opponent is going to be watching a replay of that heading into every game against the Lions next season testing the toughness of Campbell's players. Hi, everyone. Zach Zaidman with you here on The Score until 9 o'clock. Jay Hilgenberg will join us at 8 and will reminisce. 35 years ago today, the Bears won Super Bowl Twenty, and Hilge was a big part of it. So I, I want to hear all those stories, and we'll do that coming up at 8 o'clock. But since the Lions are making some big changes those changes are going to impact the Bears. I figured who better to talk to than to find out a little bit about what's happening in Detroit with my good friend, another Syracuse success story, Matt Derry, the host of Locked on Lions, who joins us now on the Alpamonte Nissan hotline. Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Here's what I want to know right off the top. How was Dan Campbell's opening press conference received by Lions fans. Oh, Zach, it was a it was an A plus, my friend. It was uh <laughs> it rallied the troops around here for a little while. I know nationally he took a little bit of a beating and some thought he was a bit of a carnival huckster and it was a comedy act and but people in Detroit were excited. You gotta remember we've just been through three years of Matt Patricia and five <laughs> years of general manager Bob Quinn. Um this was it was it was fun to say the least. And, you know, the T-shirts, the Bite the Kneecap T-shirts, the MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell T-shirts are already out there. and People are, people are excited. I mean, look, the, the football fan still wants to know if the guy can coach, coach a lick. But as far as press conferences go, that was, uh, that was an A-plus around here. Matthew Stafford, you got to start every question when it comes to the Lions with him. So he went to management and essentially asked them, to trade him, right? Yes. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. Been here 12 years. Obviously, Bears fans and your listeners on the score know anytime you play the Lions, you're going to see Matthew Stafford. Unless he's really, really hurt, he's going to play. He's going to play hard. Uh, he's always a threat. He can throw the ball deep. And But 12 years, Zach, is a long time. And the, the, all the losing, yes, three playoff appearances, but all the losses went 0-3. It's time for a change. And he and his wife, Kelly, I think, decided probably during the season last year when the writing was on the wall, Matt Patricia was going to be was fired, that another rebuild, another new regime, no, we're going to get out of here. They went to the Ford family and said, it's time to go. I don't think ownership, whether it was Martha Ford, the, the mom, or Sheila, the daughter that's now running the team, I, I don't think they ever thought in a million years they would trade him, and they love him. But him going to them and saying, it's time for me to go, 
Um, I think they tried one last gasp to keep him and made a, a, a strong push for Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach, to try to impress Matthew, like, hey, we're bringing in this young hotshot college coach. But when Campbell said no, I think that kind of cemented the fate that it was time to to move on from him, and they're 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 making you know they're making phone calls right now. The new GM Brad Holmes, to me, I would assume that the first conversation is with with Indianapolis. That's my guess. Talking about what's happening in Detroit with the host of the podcast Locked On Lions, Matt Derry, here on the Score. Why Indianapolis? I just think it's the best fit for him. I think if you're talking about a guy at 33 that wants to win, Matthew Stafford isn't asking Detroit to trade him and get out of town and then go to a rebuilding team or a young team. You know, people are talking about, oh, maybe they'll go to Denver. Denver's a few years away, you know. I mean, yeah, he would make them better, but they're a few years away. You're not trading him to Carolina. Now, you might if that's the best offer you get, but Carolina's a couple years away. Indy is ready-made for Stafford now. Midwest similar to, to the suburbs of Michigan where Stafford lived, uh, where he could be comfortable in that town. He'd be a hero there. Steps in for Phillip Rivers, has a great defense with Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner and, 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 and Justin Blackman and those guys. And he's got the running game with Jonathan Taylor and, and decent receivers and those two tight ends and Cox and Doyle and Quentin Nelson at, at the best left guard in football. Uh, but to me, that's, that's the fit. You put him with Frank Reich. Um, Colts won 11 games last year. That's That, to me, is what Matthew Stafford is looking for. So what are the Lions going to look like, not just next year as they rebuild, but what's their goal? What what kind of identity are they going to take based on everyone that they've brought in to make those decisions this offseason? You know, Z, I think the first thing they're going to want to do is clean up that locker room. And not that it was bad at the end of the year last year, because the guys actually played pretty hard for Daryl Bevel, the interim coach. But what Dan Campbell was brought in to do, and I think Chris Spielman made that higher, was to change the culture, get guys in there to rally around him and, and the idea that we're going to play hard every week. Uh, we're not going to, to complain. Uh, we're going to be all together. Um, you know, every veteran that left under Matt Patricia over the last few years, whether it was Glover Quinn, Quandre Diggs, Darius Slay, Snacks Harrison, I mean, they all had, they all, they all left with a bad taste in their mouth and kind of ripping Patricia on the way out or when they got to their new team. I think with Dan Campbell, they want to bring in a guy that's, that everybody loved playing for. When he was the interim coach in Miami, and I've talked to some former Dolphins from that 2015 team on my show, they all loved him. They all, all said, I'd run through a wall for this guy. So, if you want to win and you want to win for your coach and you want to carry him off your shoulders after winning a bunch of games, I think that's what the Lions are looking for. But 2021, Zach, I mean, this team's going to be terrible, terrible. That defense, it's booty. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's the worst defense in football, and it's the worst defense the Lions have ever had. And that goes, that's worse than the 0-9 team that went 0-16. It's going to take a couple of years to rebuild that. You're going to talk about eight or nine starters that have to go and be replaced. So that's a problem. And so I think it's going to take a few years. You've got a rookie GM, never done it before, a rookie head coach. So I think it'll take a few years, and you'll have a new quarterback, but at least you blow it up and start over. and Stop trying to tell yourself that you're just a couple of wins away, and you win six, you win five, you win seven. So they go 2-14 and 14 next year. So what? Get, get some more draft picks like Brad Holmes, who was great with the Rams in their college scouting department. Make it, Let him get a couple of drafts under his belt, and then – and you look to maybe win in 22 or 23. 
Matt Derry is the host of Locked on Lions, talking some Detroit football with us here on The Score. You mentioned the new GM, Brad Holmes, coming from the Rams in Los Angeles. When you did some research on him and you started to talk to people, what was the word on him that makes Chris Spielman in particular comfortable with the rebuild that's about to take place? Um, you know, I, I think that everybody likes him. Um, he's, he's a uniter, just like Campbell, nice guy. Um, let's be honest, too. This front office and this coaching staff over the last few years was not very diverse. You're bringing in a young African-American, first-time GM in, who has a great background with the Rams. Everybody raves about him. Um, already he's brought in a pretty good staff. Ray Agnew is going to be his assistant GM. That's a highly regarded personnel guy with the Rams. Here comes John Dorsey. I don't know how that, Zach, I don't know how that's going to work. But Dorsey knows talent. Uh, Dorsey may have, uh, drafted Mahomes in Kansas City. Dorsey drafted Baker in Cleveland. So you're bringing in some people to know what the heck they're doing. And with Holmes, his, his thing was college scouting. Remember when the Lions hired Bob Quinn five or six years ago, he was a pro personnel guy under Belichick. He didn't do college scouting. Home, they, the Lions have had so many misses in the draft. You and I talk all the time. You know, Eric Ebron over Aaron Donald. Okuda this past year being drafted over Tua and Herbert. Those are Jared Davis in the first round. Jelani Tavai, who, who just can't play in the second round. Kerryon Johnson, who's a blocking back at best in the second round. Those are big misses. So with Holmes, you're hoping those first, second, third round picks that Quinn missed on, he won't miss on. And then the rebuild will, will be shorter because those guys that he drafted can really perform. So he's got a good eye for talent, good guy, and I, I think that he's willing to collaborate with others. And, um, it won't just be Quinn and Patricia and everybody else is in the, in the way back seat. Uh, everybody's going to have a seat on that bus and, and be kind of together. Now, Matt, you're aware of what's been taking place here in Chicago, and there's been a lot of criticism. Uh, people have been ripping the Bears chairman, George McCaskey, because they don't like the structure uh, of the, the front office at Hallis Hall. Ted Phillips is the president, and the top football man in the organization is the general manager, Ryan Pace, and some people want that changed. When it comes to the Lions, who is truly the top football man with all the people now that they've added to their front office? That's a good question. You know, uh, I can tell you this. I know this uh, from some of my people I've talked to. Deuce Staley had offers from the Bears and the Lions, and he chose the Lions. That rarely happens, no matter if it's Bears versus Lions, Lions versus Eagles, Jets versus Lions. The Lions actually got a pretty darn good assistant head coach and running backs coach away from Philly and Deuce Staley, and he wanted Well, you know why? You give the head coach a six-year deal, you know their security. And then after right. the Bears had their, their, their postseason news conference, I think everyone understands around the league that it's kind of a prove-it year, one last chance yeah. for Nagy and, and Pace to get it done here. So that has to be the reason. But I'm just I'm fascinated by the dynamic because you're talking about some strong personalities. You've got the Lions legend and Chris Spielman who was brought in to kind of facilitate this. You bring in Brad Holmes who comes highly recommended, you hire him as your GM from the Rams, but yet you bring in John Dorsey, who has been successful everywhere he's been, but also has apparently rubbed people the wrong way because he's also had quick exits everywhere he's been. So how's this going to work? That's a good question. I don't know at the moment. Uh, they also have a team president, Rod Wood, who when he was brought in, he's a Ford family banker, 
that they made president years ago, and he said when he got hired, I'm not a football guy, I'm going to stay away, yet here he is in every football meeting, yet here he is making statements when they make hires. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, you've got a cap guy in Mike Disner who's a Bob Quinn guy who's going to stay, and he helped hire Holmes. So how much say does he have? Chris Spielman. Uh, there were some other general manager candidates who, in their interviews, asked Rod Wood and Sheila Ford Hamp, what's Chris's role going to be if I get this job? Is he going to be in, my, in the hallway? Is he going to be lingering around my office? Like, can I do my job? So that is a concern. I think Brad Holmes will have final say, but like you said, Dorsey's around. Uh, Agnew's around, Rod Wood's around, Chris is around. So that's a little bit of a concern. If they give Holmes the opportunity to make that final say, and everybody kind of stays in their lane, I do think it'll work. Holmes does need some help. He does need a guy like Dorsey to, to help him because he hasn't been in the building. Brad Holmes has been the head of college scouting for the Rams, but he's lived in Atlanta the last few years. He hasn't even been in L.A. Now he spends time there, and he's been in the draft room on draft night, but he's not there every day running the building. If he has questions about how to run a building, Dorsey will be there. But, yes, as far as final say and all that, it's kind of Lion-esque that we're at this point where we're still a little bit concerned about it. But at least they've got, they've got a lot of chefs in the kitchen, but at least they've got a few here that have good experience and know the game. And depending on what they get back for Stafford, I mean, they could really uh, spearhead this rebuilding project uh, a lot faster than some of the other teams that are trying to do the same thing over the next few years. Matt Derry, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking Lions football with you. Hi, brother. Always. You got it. Matt Derry, who is the host of the popular Locked on Lions podcast. I've got some thoughts, too. Uh, we'll bring it back to the Bears based on what we just heard from the Packers and Lions next. Zach Saban with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Every decision I make, Pat, is it's the right thing for the franchise. That's just how we operate. That's just natural. And so that, that's what will go into it. It's not going to be thinking short term. It's always thinking what's best for the Bears. That's in, that's in every move we make. And that's how Matt and I will attack this. And there'll be a number of ways we can go about it. Again, everything's on the table. We just finished the season. But it's always what's best for the team. And, and that's long term. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You just heard from Bears General Manager Ryan Pace, and I know the team got mocked for using the word collaborate or collaboration or some form of it, I think a thousand times during their uh, postseason Zoom conference, but they really do need to collaborate. Two guys in particular, Pace and head coach Matt Nagy, have to come together whether it's through a Zoom conference, a sit-down meeting, socially distanced with masks on, but you've got to finally sit down and say the following. What are we? Look at your roster from an offensive standpoint and make a decision on what you want to be. Because if you look at the talent that the Bears have had on their roster from an offensive standpoint during the first three years of the Matt Nagy era, it is a team that should be using the running game as the focal point, especially over the last two years, where you've got a guy in David Montgomery who refuses to go down on first contact. And now that it seems as though they've made some strides with the offensive line, and it can only get better during the offseason because you're going to get a healthy James Daniels back, and then you've got 
Cody Whitehair, who I think you got to keep at, at left guard. Mustafer looked really good at center. I, I think you also keep James Daniels on the inside. And then hopefully you can add a tackle or two. Everyone, though, is looking for a tackle or two. So realistically, hopefully you can add one starter-grade tackle at a minimum to your team. You've got a one-year prove-it, right? So the best way, I think, to go about doing that is making the running game the focal point, play action off of that, as opposed to, and I know that when, when Nagy was initially hired, Everyone is enamored with what the Kansas City Chiefs do offensively. Who wouldn't be? They roll out of bed and put 30 points on the board. But look at the talent in Kansas City from an offensive standpoint. You've got what is quickly becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the history of this game. who when all is said and done in a couple of weeks, may have his second Super Bowl championship in four years. Amazing. But it's not just him. Got one of the best tight ends that has ever suited up in Kelsey. You've got speed galore at all the skill positions. And when they're right from an offensive line standpoint and they're a little banged up at the tackles, but... They've got a really good offensive line, and you've got one of the best offensive minds calling plays that has ever called plays in the history of the National Football League. So yeah, who wouldn't want to be Kansas City? But you got to be realistic and look at your roster and say to yourself, well, what do we have here? We don't have that. I go back to what Chris Collinsworth said a couple of years ago when the Chiefs rolled past the Bears at Soldier Field. You know, that was the game where Patrick Mahomes counted a 10 on his fingers because that's where he was picked in the draft. It was kind of a message to the, the people in the Bears front office. And at the time, Collinsworth said that Allen Robinson would be, at best, maybe the third best option on the Chiefs' offense. And he wasn't ripping Allen Robinson, because if you have eyes, you know how good Allen Robinson is. You know how talented this guy has been throughout his Bears career. A pro's pro, works his tail off. You're stunned when he doesn't make a play. That's how good he's been because you can count on one hand the number of plays he has not made in big spots. But Collinsworth is right. Robinson would be, who is by far and away the Bears' best offensive weapon, would be maybe at best the third, the third guy you'd go to in that Kansas City offense. So even though you'd love to run the Chiefs' offense, maybe that's not the best possible idea. And instead of coaching plays, coach your players. Identify what you are. Make a proper identification. And then build off of that. 
And that leads to other questions such as, well, if I hired Matt Nagy to run the Chiefs offense, why do I want him running anything else? And I would submit the answer to that is, you hired him to be the head coach. And sometimes a head coach has to look at his personnel and say, you know what, even though I'd love to do this, we need to adjust and do something else that might benefit the team. And what would benefit this team, and this is assuming that the Bears can get healthy on defense, this is assuming that Khalil Mack can return to the form that we saw in 2018, because the last couple of years he's been dealing with injuries and he has not looked like the guy that we saw in 2018. Can Akeem Hicks stay healthy? I mean, truly stay healthy. Roquan Smith not only has to stay healthy, but continue to elevate his game. Eddie Jackson has to get back on track. You're going to get a big boost in having Eddie Goldman back after opting out this season, and I think it'll help the Bears do a much better job of stopping the run. But Eddie Goldman has had a history of injuries. And these guys are not getting any younger. Same thing with Kyle Fuller. You've got to get back to this defense being dynamic. If we're talking about the Bears defense next year being a bend but not break unit like we did this year, that's not good enough. They're not paid to be a bend but not break unit. They're paid to attack. They're paid to dominate. They're paid to control the game. They are paid to do what you saw the Bucks defense do in the NFC Championship game. Is it realistic to expect that kind of relentless pressure from the Bears? Because if you don't get it, it's going to be a really long year next year. And offensively, what can you do as the head coach slash pseudo play caller? Because I don't even know who the full-time play caller is offensively anymore. But as the head coach, can you complement that defense? What can you do from an offensive standpoint that is realistic in one offseason to put that defense in the best possible position to succeed? Because that is ultimately going to be the key to success in 2021 for the Bears. And to me, that's making the running game your focal point and getting a quarterback who can use that to make play action successful. A quarterback who's not a standstill guy in the pocket, but a guy who can buy you some extra time when a play breaks down and make a play or two. You need three to five plays a game, I believe, from that quarterback position. Can you get a quarterback who can do that? It may be what we call a game manager, but even a game manager has to be someone who makes three to five plays a game if you're going to be a successful team. There's going to be a good quarterback available for the Bears. Not a great quarterback, not an elite quarterback, but once once we see the, the pieces moving around and the elite quarterbacks either get signed or traded or drafted, it's going to be that next group and that next wave. There will be someone who fits the description that I just mentioned.
can you find someone that can come in here and properly identify him? Because you know what? The two guys in charge right now at the highest level of the Bears, they've swung and missed mightily when it comes to identifying quarterbacks. Glennon was a miss. Trubisky was a miss because of what they wanted to do for Nagy and based on what Watson and Mahomes have done in this league. And clearly, Nick Foles was a miss. You miss again, there's going to be a very different kind of press conference taking place a year from right now. And we're going to be talking about new people in charge across the board with the Bears. But you're also going to be talking about squandering again another year of what should be a really good defense. And to me, you know, when I, when I step back, I start thinking to myself, okay, you're going to have a situation this year that could be very similar to last offseason, where you don't have a real offseason to be able to prepare, to be able to take the players that you have that have shown flashes and take them to the next level, specifically Cole Komet, Mooney, Montgomery, and all the other receivers that they, they still have on their team that they like. The offensive linemen, Eddie Jackson, Roquan Smith, Kyle Fuller. They've already canceled the combine. And that leads me to believe, you know, we heard from the White House today that, you know, they're hoping that everyone can get vaccinated in this country by the end of the summer. So realistically, the pandemic's going to be around for a little bit here, which means you may not have a full off season. So you have to properly identify a quarterback that can come in here and be able to succeed with minimal reps during the offseason and a weird kind of pseudo-training camp like last year. Now, Tom Brady was able to do it, but you're talking about the best quarterback of all time. Justin Herbert was able to do it. But that wasn't a very good team, even though he was fantastic this year. So it's possible. Can you find someone that can adjust to difficult circumstances in terms of being able to mesh with what the Bears want to be from an offensive standpoint? And that's why I think it would be awfully hard to bring in somebody to run the Kansas City style of offense with little practice time during the offseason. Properly identify what you are and then build around that to try and make 2021 the season. Because if you don't do it this upcoming season, you're not going to have a chance to build for 2022 and so on and so forth. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to have some fun. Jay Hilgenberg will join us, and we will reminisce perhaps the greatest day in Bears modern history took place 35 years ago today. We'll discuss next. Zach Saban with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I know we need to run the ball more. I'm not an idiot. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.